What If the Len Bias Story, hosted by Jordan Ritter Khan, is The Ringer's latest narrative podcast? You can find new episodes every Wednesday on the Book of Basketball 2.0 feed. Here's a quick trailer. You've heard his name, Len Bias, 1980s phenom, second pick in the NBA draft. And then, cocaine, tragedy, one of the most shocking deaths in sports history. 35 years later, Bias's legacy is still making an impact. From Spotify and the Ringer Podcast Network, this is What If, the Lynn Bias story. I'm Jordan Ritter Khan. R2C2. A little late. A little late this week. We're a little late, but there's good reasons. But, yeah, we're good. Yeah. The, the the reasons are one, we get to now fully process and digest Garrett Cole's start, which became a, a much talked about examined start on uh Wednesday night. And the other is C had golf plans with Michael Jordan on Wednesday. And let me tell you something. If there is ever a time we're going to delay the pod, it's for C to golf with the GOAT. I mean, <laughs> come on, man. That's amazing. How was it? It was fun, man. It was fun. The, the course is, uh, was dope. Um, it was just good to get out, obviously, and see him and get out there with him. But it was a lot of fun. We golf with the uh, East Side uh, golf guys um, who are doing a lot of cool things in the golf space. So it was, it was fun. I mean, obviously, I'm out of town right now for – Lucy's has a baseball tournament, um, so it just worked out that I was able to to see MJ. I want to I want to go fishing with him though. Um, Does he fish? You know, he's a big deep sea fisherman, just like you know, like me, like you know. So that I've, that I've gotten into like the last five years, he's gotten into it like the last eight or nine years, um, and he's he's got a nice boat. So I want to. Uh, that's what that's what I'm looking forward to. Golfing was fun, but I told you my golf my golf um, mission is to beat Derek Jeter. That's the only reason I'm playing golf. You know what I'm saying? Like, so golfing with MJ was fun. I want to go fishing with MJ, but I want to play golf with G. Uh, those are like, you're just naming bucket list activities for basically <laughs> everyone listening. Fishing with MJ, golfing with Jeter. Like, seriously, man. Yeah, it, it's oh crazy. It was crazy when you're out on the course. It's just like, this motherfucker just built his own golf course. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like the coolest yeah. shit ever where he literally... Built his own golf course. It's fire. What's it called again? His course? Grove 23. Grove 23. Yeah. And it's yeah. in Florida. Yeah. And, it's, in, it's in Florida. How many, like, you can join or is it, like, invite only? Or what's the deal with the membership I, there? Do I you know? Even, I don't even know. I didn't ask about the membership um, yeah. or anything like that. I, I I mean, I would assume it is it's super exclusive, um, knowing MJ. Yeah. But, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, nice course. I mean, one of the, one of the nicer courses I've ever played on. So, that was, uh, that's why we're late with the pod. Yeah, and you know what? I think everyone in the audience, they understand. Still getting out on Thursday, just not Thursday morning. Yeah. I um, I have to say, see, that's pretty cool. Did MJ, uh, did he have any trash talking to do? Because we know he always loves to, lo- love to smoke you with some trash talk. Always trash talk. Like, um, yeah, just right away. No breakfast balls, <laughs> no nothing right away, trash talk. <laughs> oh my gosh. That is hilarious. Oh, that is. Yo, just you've been great, busy. Huh? You've been called. You, do you do you get do you like purposely uh, like want to call the Minnesota games? Or is that Knowing like that I'll get wins so that people will think <laughs> I sound better? Yeah. <laughs> you know, those games are going to be close. The Minnesota games are always super close with us in the last couple of years, especially the regular season games. So I'm like, is Ruko like lobbying to get the Minnesota week because he knows that those will be close games? It's always like a walk off. Ever since I've been with the Yankees, people like to talk about how we've dominated the, the Twins, which we have, but not in a not in a way where you would think that we dominated them. You know what I'm saying? Like there have been close games, there have been playoff series where if that ball down the line, Phil Cousins yeah. don't call that ball. You know what I'm saying? Like there have been close calls and, and close series with the Twins. We always come out on top, but you know people like to like to think that we dominate them, and I don't think it's been domination. I think it's just been. You know, we've coming out, come out on some on the top of some close series. Well, you are one hundred four and thirty seven against them since two thousand two. 
like walk offs and shit, Kaz. I remember one walk off, Kaz. We walked them off all weekend. Like yeah. four games in a row, we walked them off. 2009. Yeah, just like mm-hmm. fucked up shit. Like, so, yeah. I mean, those numbers sound great, but when you just walking somebody off when they're close games all the time, you know, you, you know, the game, you're in those games. And even 2019 with the Hicks catch and all of that shit, yeah. like, yeah. Those games are close. Oh, that 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 three game series in Minnesota that I that I called that those games were absolutely riveting. It, I they, remember I remember right. the three the 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 series when we played with A Rod hit the three homers in the game like in yeah. I think that was 2015. That was a close series. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like yeah, it's always good series, man. So what you're saying is they're close games, but you just know you're always going to win in the end. What I'm saying is we <laughs> we don't need to keep playing these motherfuckers in the first round of the playoffs because eventually they're going to beat us. Yeah. That's at, what I'm saying. At some point, there'll be a regression to the mean. Yeah. That's what I'm but saying. You know what is funny, though? See, I swear, everybody always thinks that the announcers are better when their team wins. You know, I mean, that's just I, I, I've experienced that in every sport I've broadcast, whether it's football, basketball, baseball, boxing. The audience will always think the announcer's better if their team wins. So is it good for me that the Yankees happen to start hitting as I start doing play-by-play for these games? Yeah, you bet your ass it is. Like, <laughs> absolutely it is. I, I haven't even game. seen like the scores. Have they been hitting better, though? Yeah. Have they been, they've been scoring they, They've raked the last two days. Yeah, they, uh, they scored eight the first game, nine last night. They had... I think 14 hits the first game, maybe 15 hits last night. First time you know, this year they've scored eight runs in back-to-back games. You know what I will say about Minnesota is that their bullpen is always trash. It's never, yeah. you know what I'm saying? So, like, yeah. even if we play those close games, we could always get to them to back into their bullpen. Yeah, and no doubt, man. So that's that's where, like, they, I feel like sometimes even if they have an even team with us or, or sometimes a better team than us, then their bullpen is always what, what gets them in trouble. And that's kind of what happened in the first game of this series. It was 3-3, and you knew, well, Yankees have a way better bullpen. Twins have fifth-worst bullpen ERA in the majors. Yankees have third-best. And what happened? Yankees scored five runs off the Twins' bullpen in the last two innings. And Yankees' bullpen just gave up one garbage run. That was it. So, yeah, man, yeah. it's the difference. It's It's been nice being back, though, man. It's been, it's been two years since I called a game. You know, oh, I mean, yeah, I called a couple of spring training, but, yeah, since I had a regular season game. How many? Uh, how many games? You, how many more games you have this year? I'll have less than I would have because of um, just the way COVID altered things and contract numbers and stuff with events. But um, I'll still have. I think I have like four more series after this. So in a normal year now with the split, I'd have like nine or ten series. I'll end up having like five. But it's okay. just good to be doing be doing games again man it, it, and i love working with coney and you know this is a good way for us to launch into the first thing that we'll get into today since the whole pod's a sling and heat with us just doing this podcast ourselves today you guys know the deal when we have a guest we do sling and heat when it's us ju- just us two we'll just dive in i've loved being able to have these nuanced discussions with david on the broadcast about everything going on in regard to major league baseball with the sticky stuff yeah. And especially on the heels of what's happened with Garrett Cole, because obviously David, to me, is the perfect blend of understanding analytics and having sort of this grizzled experience factor as well. And it's been really interesting, I think, to dive into everything, see, and, and I want to tee it up for you first, but I'll just cap my initial thoughts by saying this, you know, making this a Garrett Cole issue was ridiculous. This is not a Garrett Cole issue. This is a baseball issue. He just happens to be the name Josh Donaldson mentioned, and he's been a guy who Trevor Bauer mentioned. So yeah, okay. So obviously, two two guys have mentioned Garrett Cole. Yes. So, yeah, but it's so because he's a great because he's a great pitcher. But ain't nobody right? so mentioning target. Ain't nobody mentioning Jacob Degrom with that shit. Yeah. No. I mean, I'm I'm not saying that. I'm not I'm not exonerating Cole at all. But what I'm saying is. Acting like somehow it, it does the sport any good to ostracize individual pitchers, to me, is missing the mark. Because, see, this is one thing. I, I'll launch into my spiel on this, okay? This is, this is one thing that really bothered me about the steroid era, okay? And I'm not someone who only thinks purely 
about the player perspective or union perspective. I have a father who just retired working for the league office in the NFL for 34 years. I'm very aware of the league perspective. But this is one thing that really bothered me when it comes to the steroid era. I thought it was ridiculous that somehow all the blame and scrutiny got placed on individual players who were a product of the culture, which was a product of what was allowed by the commissioner and the league office as much as anybody else. And so if you ask me, who's a bigger culprit in the steroid era, Bud Selig or Mark McGuire or Barry Bonds or Sammy Sosa or whatever other star you want to name, for me, it is Bud Selig hands down. And baseball got away with singling out individual players and putting it at their feet. Now, they may have thought that was the only way they were going to get the union to finally agree to rule changes, but I'm sorry. It was always absolutely absurd to me that individual players were totally cast out when there was no testing in the sport as they were using these substances. Even if there was some legal language that said, oh, you're not allowed to use things without a prescription, et cetera. I'm sorry. If you're not testing for it, then as a sport, yeah, you've no decided testing. it didn't matter. Right, exactly. And so do I, do I think it needed to get out of the game? Absolutely, I did. But I thought it was always ridiculous that these players paid such an enormous price for it individually, and it was only certain players when it was a product of the culture. And so I have that in mind now when I look at this situation here. Has Garrett Cole use substances when he's pitched, it sounds like he probably has, right? Use different things. We don't know exactly what, but he probably has. But is Garrett Cole alone? Absolutely not. And just because he happens to be one of the better pitchers in the league, so he happens to be one of the guys who gets highlighted more and does get called out because he also has a history with Trevor Bauer and them not getting along in college. And then Josh Donaldson happens to see Garrett Cole's start right after, you know, supposedly it's going to be enforced more. I'm sorry. This isn't like a defense. I have no idea if, if Garrett Cole was doing a ton of things below board, above board. No idea. He didn't help himself with his initial press conference answer. We all understand that. But this isn't a Garrett Cole thing. This is a baseball thing. And it's on baseball to clean it up league-wide, not just one pitcher. And, and I think that's what they were trying to do. Um, you know, and, and I know that the league was trying to, to crack down on this early in the year. Um, I, I've changed my tone on this, just talking to, to players um, and different players and, you know, whether it's starting pitchers or hitters and guys that are currently in the game, because I was the one that, you know, thought that pitchers need the sticky stuff. I, like, like I said, I never used it, but I know guys that need it. And, and, and I was always for it. Whatever you need to get the, to get a grip on the, uh, the ball, if, you know, guy, and I always thought hitters felt the same way. You still hear Pete Alonso said the same thing. He still feels the same way. But there are some guys now who feel like what the, what guys are using today, what guys are whatever the spider attack or whatever the fuck crosses the line, and it is cheating. And we had a whole podcast about this, and I said I didn't think it was cheating. I got a million calls from current players right after we did that podcast. It was like, "Cuz you fucking tripping." That shit is straight up fucking cheating and it needs to be out of the game. So taking a cue from that, I understand Josh, Josh Donaldson's, his, him going at guys and going at looking at different guys' spin rates and this and that. And I think it was him calling out Garrett because Bauer called him out. You know what I'm saying? Like you said, I mean, it's not just a Garrett Cole issue. It is a league issue, but it's, it seems like he might be at the head of this fucking thing. You know what I'm saying? And you know, it's it's kind of hard to defend when, you know, you, you've seen his answer. So it kind of is what it is. Um, you know, he went out and did a great job yesterday. Fucking shut everybody up. He was throwing 102, shut Josh Donaldson up, struck him out a couple times. He's going to have to keep continue to go out and do that and prove that, you know, he didn't need the spider attack to be who he is. Yeah. And, and, and I'll just say this. One thing I actually appreciated, and David and I talked about this on the game broadcast last night. I actually, even though it, you know, I, I don't think it's going to be anything that uh, Garrett uses as a blueprint for answering questions moving forward. One thing that I appreciated about his answer to the spider tack question was at least he didn't sit there and lie to our faces. You know, how many athletes have we seen when they're called on the carpet 
and they lie and they say, no, I haven't. No, I haven't. No, I haven't. And then months later, it's like, well, actually, I was lying to you all those times. Yes, I have. So I actually. Oh, he should have just said, yeah, he, he used it. Then. Well, what I think. Because he I didn't. Think, he didn't. He didn't answer the question. Like, he no, should, if he, you can't praise him for just for that, for dancing around. Why question, can't I, why can't I praise said, him yeah, for not lying? Because if he would have said, yeah, then that's not lying. Like, you can't say, oh, I don't know. And it's passed down. Like. You can't praise him for that answer. I'm sorry, Ruko. Yeah, but I like I liked seeing somebody who was you uncomfortable with lying. Yes, I did or no. No. You, I mean, no. I, I like seeing someone who was uncomfortable with lying. But I liked didn't his answer. Didn't say yes, I used it. Didn't say yes, I used it. I liked his answer yesterday. I liked his answer yesterday because his answer yesterday was, you know, I he said I paused the day before because, you know, I just don't think this is the right forum for getting into this sort of discussion about the specificity. And, and I'm paraphrasing here with, with certain direct elements of what Cole said, but that was the sentiment of what he said yesterday after his start, different than what he had said the day before. And I'm not, I'm not defending Cole and saying that, you know, he, oh, he's been squeaky clean or whatever. I'm just saying that he is not the only one and if it's a problem with the entire culture, I don't want us to get focused on, oh, Garrett Cole, Garrett Cole, Garrett Cole. And it's like, well, hold on a second. How about the entire game? You know, like, let, look at the entire game. Now, just just for people's perspective. But I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think the entire game is doing exactly what these guys are being accused of doing. I don't, like, do I don't think, I think G- a lot I don't of think- people are. I don't think Giovanni Gallegos is is using spider tag. He's definitely using bullfrog and fucking uh, rosin and pine tar. But I don't think I don't think a lot of people are using what the guy in Anaheim had. You know why I know? Because I because nobody fucking ever told me about it. And I've known Bubba for nineteen fucking years. So <laughs> that's a small group of motherfuckers who have that 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 spider tag. Uh, okay, I promise but, you that. But so here's why. Look, there's a bunch of different variables here and it makes it hard to exactly uh narrow down what precisely is going on but just for people who are probably having a hard time following this conversation because it's still all new material let me just we'll just give a broad treetop right now of what's going on with baseball and why the sticky stuff is being emphasized so offense is at historically low numbers we all don't think that's a great thing for baseball right to have less action in the game to have less contact to have less offense. Major League Baseball is trying to find out why. One of the reasons is thought to be that spin rate has absolutely skyrocketed in recent years. Now, even within that, spin rate is being manipulated more in part because it's being emphasized more because you have new technology, whether it's Rapsodo machines, edgematronic cameras, the TrackMan system, that can give pitchers instant feedback on their spin rate, help them to hone in on a specific grip, release point, et cetera. The other point of it is there are these substances, which if you listen to Trevor Bauer, a substance like spider tack can increase your RPMs, which is your spin rate, by as much as 200 to 500 RPMs on a pitch. Now, a spin rate decreasing or increasing by just around 75, 100, that's not a massive difference. But 300, 400, 500, that is a significant difference. And what we now know for certain pitches, especially four-seam fastballs, other pitches as well, but that's the one that was focused in on most with Cole, the more spin rate you have, the more successful your pitch is going to be. It's what creates that sort of rising feeling. There's less drop in your fastball naturally. and So as Major League Baseball and hitters are on this quest to try and make sure there is more contact in the game and make sure the game has it slanted too far towards pitchers, they finally want this cleaned up. Now, one other treetop thing. Some of the substances C was just talking about, the the, um, sunscreen and rosin, you know, some pine tar that's been in the game oldest time. That those substances are not thought to be able to manipulate spin rate as dramatically as some of these new products that are coming out, like SpiderTac. And SpiderTac is not the only one. And that's why there's a crackdown going on right now. And that's where there's some difference in the specificity of substances. So some people, like Bauer, have suggested get one substance. 
that's legal for all pitchers to use so you can get a grip on the baseball, but so you don't have such a ridiculous jump in spin rate that it makes it unfair. And that's why we're in this place we're in right now. And just to tag what C said about Pete Alonso, Pete Alonso came out and said, hey, I don't care as much about the spin rate when it comes to the offense. What I care about is the baseballs. Because in fairness to you know the situation, Major League Baseball intentionally did things manipulating the manufacturing of the baseball to try and give them a, you know, more drag or less drag so that they would carry less, right? So some of what we're seeing with the pitchers all of a sudden dominating may be more about the baseballs than it even is about the spider tack or any substances because you can't control for both variables at once right now. So both things do have to be examined and we're just trying to get to the bottom of, okay, why are pitchers dominating right now? But it could be just as much the new baseballs, which Major League Baseball produced, as it could be about the substances. Did yeah, I answer that all right, C? Yeah, you did, which they keep fucking with the balls. Two years ago, three years ago, they said they didn't mess with the baseballs when we saw guys hitting apple homers that ain't never hit apple homers before and doing all these crazy things with the balls. Oh, there's nothing wrong with the baseballs. Then you hear it by the end of that year, oh, yeah, we did do something to the baseballs. Now... We're hearing that they went back to the old baseballs. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, yeah, I mean, I, I mean that may have something to do with it, too, with, with pitchers dominating and less contact and all that stuff. But like I said, I mean, I was, I, I was on the side of, of, of Pete Alonzo and, you know, most older players that, you know, didn't really know anything about mm -hmm. any of this spider attack or these new tactics and, you know, just thought that guys were trying to get a grip on the ball. Obviously, I was, like I said, don't like like I'm always talking about guys that don't can't relate to the game or don't know the game. When you're out of the game, you don't know. You know what I'm saying? So um, getting a call from all these guys now and guys that are playing is like, nah, you tripping. What they got, what they're using now is crossing the line, and you know it just kind of is what it is. And I hate to see Garrett get called out for it, but you can't get mad at Donaldson for for wanting to be even playing field. But I actually think I I, I do think that I would be upset with Donaldson that I'm the one person you called out. You know what I mean? Like you, you, who you else you want me to name. call out, bro? Uh, well, Bauer or who? Or, I mean, or just I'm don't, or just don't you. use a specific name. Oh, I'm going to use your name. But guess what? I'm going to use your name. What? I mean, I, I can use you whatever. Would you would do that. You, I would absolutely, if I, if I felt like that, bro, you're talking to me because I would I absolutely do that. But you, you, but you, you would call out one individual player. If I felt like he was cheating, hell yeah. What if you knew everyone was, including if, guys on your team? If, if I knew everyone was, well, at the same time, I wouldn't say anything then. Just like I didn't say shit when it was a steroid era. But that's what and I'm I saying. I knew it was guys on other teams doing shit. But that's like, what I'm saying. So how is that different than Donaldson? Because you know he's had guys in his clubhouse who've been using shit. Do, are they using spider tack? We don't, I don't know. know. Probably, that, right? Probably. No, no, not probably, Ruko. Because think, it's only... It's a small group of motherfuckers that know what that shit is, guys. Really? We know you... what it is now because it's in the media, but yeah. no, nobody knew what it was fucking six months ago, eight months ago, nine months ago. No, nobody knew what that shit was. Nobody was introduced to it. We didn't know what it was. We were all trying to figure out how guys would jump in their spin rate and all of that shit. No, nobody knew what that shit was. So you think the actual group who's been using the substances it's a different that group than the, the guys? It's, it's a, a different group. It's a different group than the guys that are fucking just trying to get a grip on the baseball. Yes. Okay. And you think that's, it's... That's a different group. Okay. I, so don't, I don't know who's in that group. No, no. I don't, but you but think it it's sounds so... like Donaldson knows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, okay then. And, and you know what? I, look, to me, I don't want anyone cheating. I don't want anyone cheating. I want this to be absolutely rectified. My point was just, it sounds like managers and coaches have known their pitchers are doing this for a long time, maybe in but, some cases. But not that, not that, that crossing the line one. Everybody knows that you got to get some rosin or some bullfrog or whatever you need to, to put on your hat. And you can see it visibly on guys' hats. Yeah. But what you can't see is like the other, the shit that when guys are cheating or what they call cheating, which I didn't think was cheating until, like, I, like I'm saying, I'm, I'm getting educated on all this shit too, on, yeah. on, on, the, on the extra grippy stuff. Well, what you're saying, see, it's something actually David and I talked about yesterday. You just said getting educated. I think it's the perfect phrase because this is all new stuff, right? Like that's part that's part of the point. Like so for one of the things we sort of need to learn or find out, right, is does spider tack 
give you a significantly different advantage than Bullfrog or than Rosin. Or whatever does, Bubba was making in Anaheim. What yeah. does that? We know that yeah. that does. Obviously, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, and by the way, that's also why Cole is in the center of this because the clubhouse intended in Anaheim who was making this sticky stuff for pitchers. Cole had emailed them asking for it. That email was released uh, as part of a lawsuit that Bubba had, I believe, against the Angels. I think and, it's in Major League so, Baseball. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, Cole has three different places where he's being named. Uh, Donaldson, Bauer, and the lawsuit. And my point is, do you understand what I'm saying, though? See, my point is just like, because Cole, now Cole, in a sense, put himself out there with the email, right? So he has really, you know, no one to blame but himself. But my point is just, this is this is a league thing. Like, if you look at the way RPMs have jumped, this is not a... Garrett Cole exclusive. This is every single. I mean, the Dodgers have these ridiculously unnatural jumps this season in spin rate after they were among the league leaders last year in spin rate. They're across the league. If you look at the way spin rate has jumped since 2015, it is ridiculous. We put up the Glee graphic last year. That clearly means it's much more than just Cole. Now, having said that, some of it is also people just being aware of how to manipulate their own spin rate based on delivery, right? And and grip, right? But some of it is also these substances. So that's my point, see. My point is just, I think it's a much bigger problem than Cole. And narrowing in on Cole himself, I think is sort of using him as a scapegoat for a league problem. I get that. I get that. But you just named three, three times where he's been named in the last three months in this shit. So you can't get mad if his name comes up. Like it, it kind of is what it is at this point with with you know him sending the email and you know players calling them out. Like I mean, it, it kind of is what it is. Like like I said, I mean, I don't know. Well, what you I, said I, before, he handled it the best way you could. Go yeah, out, just go out and fucking pitch with your good, slightly guys. lower RPMs and shove, and that's what he did. And shove, that's what you got to yeah. do. I mean, yeah. you you definitely can't do what Michael K suggested and try to throw at Donaldson. <laughs> You definitely can't do that because then you look real fucking guilty. Well, and he, in fairness to Kay, I will say this. He said, <laughs> Michael said, I'm not condoning this, but I'm telling you what I would do if I was cold because I'm a vindictive dude, you know, oh, which, which, you know, is, is why, uh, why you always got to be careful around Michael Kay because he calls himself a vindictive dude. But, <laughs> but, but so in fairness to him, it was a little misconstrued. But see, Exactly. Like, I, I like that mentality from Cole. Like, no, I'm not going to go out and hit Donaldson. I'm just going to strike his ass out twice That's and then give him a little do. stare after, you know? Yep. You got to um, go out and show for the rest of the year. Now, let me ask you this. See, if you were a younger player now, you, you're a young player, would you feel more pressure to use that sticky stuff? Do you think if you were a young player coming up now just to keep up than say when it was starting to become prevalent while you were playing? Um, I mean, I would have tried it for sure. I mean, I think if as an old player, if, if somebody would have gave it to me, I would have tried it. I, like, I, I could never use sticky shit. It was just too much for me. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I have a I have a friend. I have a lot of friends that are pictures now that are currently pictures. And one of them that, I, that I'm real close with, talked to, to, I talked to him a couple of days ago, and we were specifically talking about this um, and talking about the answer and all that shit. He hit me about the answer and all that shit. And he was like, yeah, I got introduced to that stuff last spring training. And it was too much. Like I was spiking everything. You know what I'm saying? So some guys can use it. Some guys can't. Um, it's just one of those things where, you know, you just got to figure out if you can use it. But yeah, I, th I think I think everybody, if you have the access to it, you got to try it and, and see if it's going if it's going to make you better for sure. One thing David Cohn brought up, he wondered if there's any effect on elbow injuries or arm injuries because of this stuff, because of how sticky it is. Sticky you know? it is. And then yeah. the torque, like. Did like Coney ever, does Coney ever talk about him using anything? Did he use it? He didn't. He didn't. He didn't like it because he said he. I mean, maybe he. I don't even know if he used pine tar at all. But he he said he didn't like to use stuff because he was always afraid he was going to get blisters. On his he, had, and, well, he, yeah. he was a bad blister guy. Yeah, yeah. 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 And so he never wanted to use the stuff because he he was terrified it was going to give him blisters. Yeah. So, but he said one thing he used to always like is if a baseball was scuffed. Like, and he would get so oh, mad yeah. at his catcher if a 
pitch hit the dirt and his catcher's throwing it out and you'd be like, come on. You're like, I want that ball, you know, like, but now they don't even let you right now. Like ball gets oh, no, stuck, no. they toss well, it right out. They toss it right out. As soon as it hits the dirt, like if it's a ball put in play sometimes, I mean, me, I always do balls out, you know, ground balls or anything. Ball hit the ground, I'm throwing it out. Um, it's just, just get used to it. But yeah, I mean, that was the thing back when I first was got, when I first got drafted as a professional, they used to tell you, like, if you get a scuff on the ball, they show you how to throw it and which way to hold it to make it move each, you know, each direction. Yeah. I, um, I think with Cole, my thing is, I obviously I'm, you know, in some ways defending him just by trying to deflect and say it's not all about him. But for me, it, it's pretty simple. He goes out and pitches like he did last night. No one's going to say a word anymore. That's nah, it. If he, if, he, if he goes out and pitches well, like, nobody's going to give a shit. So it, it doesn't even matter. I mean. Like, like, like I said, I mean, just go out and get, get Donaldson out. He's crying yeah. about your spin rate and you being this great picture and all this stuff, all this stuff after using the, the spider tack and just go out and get him out without it. You know? Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's, I think it's as simple as that. Just like if there was a way to know if a guy who was using steroids hit a certain number of home runs. And then there was a way to know that he definitively wasn't afterwards. And then he's hitting the same mm -hmm. number of home runs. You're kind of like, well, all right. Like, all right. Just, yeah, he is what he is. You know? What are you going to do? You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. Yeah. And, and look, I do think it's important to get out of the game because I don't think anyone should feel compelled to have to use it to stay in the game. You know, and I also don't think we want any more advantages for the pitchers. Yeah, um, I was about to say, I just don't want guys to feel like they're getting cheated. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, you don't ever want guys to feel like they're getting cheated, uh, you know, in a game, in their career, or anything. So if, if guys are feeling like they're getting cheated, which they do, they, they feel like that now, then it's a problem. You know, if I... If I was, I'm going to use a broadcasting analogy, see, which is totally unrealistic, but let's just go for <laughs> it, all right? If I was doing play-by-play, -play and I feel, like, I feel like I'm really good at this. I feel like I'm one of the best in the country at this. I have a lot of confidence in my abilities. And all of a sudden, I see all my colleagues, and they're using uh, Entertainer Secret, which is a throat spray. And we're not supposed to. It's against our broadcast rules. That, that's not true. We can use it, but I'm just making <laughs> up a scenario. And I'm like, shit, if I want to keep up, because I know on an even playing field, I'm as good as these people, but their voices sound so much better than mine unless I use this stuff. Well, oh, it's not being police. Oh, it's not being tested for. Well, I, I think I have to use it, you know, like, and that was, that's always my argument with Barry Bonds. You know, like w when it comes to Barry Bonds, Barry Bonds, this dude is the talented, most talented dude in the league. All of a sudden, he sees people passing him who he knows shouldn't be. Well, what do you think he's going to do? Like, and, and, and why I always had a problem with him being individually ostracized. And that was kind of my point. Like, the only, the, and he's a little different because he was after other guys, supposedly did, allegedly, whatever. Like, but, if if you feel like you know what you are on an even playing field and then all of a sudden you realize what you have to do to like make it even again, like I'm not going to criticize that individual. I'm going to criticize the way it's being policed and why it's pervasive in the game. And that's kind of what I wanted to be careful of in regard to this. Like, okay, is it really, is it really a couple pitchers like, you know, being greedy or is it, is it the game and they need to, you know, wipe it all out? And because I don't want anyone to ever feel compelled to cheat, I want it out. I want it out. Get it out. Come up with one universal substance that's allowed and, and do that. You know what's crazy is that um, I played through the steroid era, right? And mm -hmm. um, it was one of those things where I didn't, like, I was so young and I just felt like, like, I didn't need the steroids to be, like, I felt like I was as good as everybody that was on steroids just being be natural. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But with this, this sticky situation, like, even at, as a young player, I think I would, I would do this. Like, I would easily, like, use the sticky stuff and try to get a higher spin rate, or, or definitely later in my career. But I'm saying it would be easier as a, as a younger player to use the sticky stuff than it is to, for me to do steroids. Um, or to use anything, you know, to put anything else in my body. Yeah. Just because, I, like, at that time, I just felt like I was good enough. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't, I don't know if, the, if, if, if it was the, the sticky stuff at that time, if I would have felt like, I feel like I would have, I would have I used, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. even, even knowing that it's cheating, I still would have tried it and used it and, 
and, and still try to get an advantage, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's it's different than putting something in your body, like yeah, steroids. It, it, it is, and it, it's um, it's one of those things where you can see it right away, right? Like I can mm-hmm. I, I can see it in my bullpen that if I put the shit on my hand, my pitch is gonna be better. Like yeah. there is no guarantee that if I fucking take steroids, I'm gonna get better. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. Like yeah. There's no there's no guarantee in that. But there's a guarantee in this sticky shit that my fucking curveball is gonna be a lot better than it was. If I put this shit on my fingers, you know what I'm saying? So it's it's it's, it's easier for guys to cheat in that way in, in today's game. And if that, you know, because it because it's it's right there, right in front of you. You can see the fucking RPMs, you know, right in front of you. Would you outlaw all substances like pine tar, everything, or would you come up with one universal thing that teams are allowed to use? You gotta have something, man. You gotta have one universal thing that, that teams are allowed to use. Otherwise, um, you won't have a grip of the baseball. Well, yeah, it's it's too hard because the way the guys rub the balls up, it's just like a chalky fucking eight, like you're using a cue ball. You know what I'm saying? You have to you have to have something. Um, okay. Hopefully that, that they can find they can figure something out that that you know guys feel good about that that you know it's not making them turn into you know these Cy Young pitchers. See, before we uh, before we wrap up this R two C two, you know NBA playoffs going on, man. How about our Nets? The first two games against Milwaukee, they just Man. looked unbelievable. <laughs> I'm still nervous not having Harden though. Me too. Me too. Still really nervous, even though they looked really, really good the first two games. Those games were at home. Still think that they need to come out and play really hard tonight in Milwaukee because they can get back in the series if they win the game tonight. So I, I, I'm, I'm interested to see the energy and the effort they come out with today. Right, like after going up 2-0. Um, coming, you know, going into Milwaukee, I want them to come out and play hard. Even if they lose, I still want to see the effort. Like, I yeah. want to see them playing hard. I want to see them getting after it. I want to see them playing like this is a fucking, you know, must-win game tonight for them. Because it is, to me. I think every game without Harden is a fucking must-win. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I want to see them come out and still, um, you know, come out and play hard and, and have that energy. The Harden injury was a gut punch because every anyone who's watched the Nets this entire season knows he has been the biggest influence on wins and losses in the NBA this season, I think. Uh, certainly for the Nets, he was the player who influenced wins and losses more than anybody. And, you know, you could still say, oh, Durant's, a, you know, the best player on the team. But when it came to this season, Harden was the guy who influenced wins and losses. You know, they went 19-4 and four when Durant was out with his hamstring injury. Because James Harden, now Kyrie had an amazing year as well, but James Harden was just incredible the way he elevated the play of everyone around him. So when he went down, I said, oh my gosh, like that's that could be the series. But the way three things have been so key to them, and they've been key all year, when they play hard with defensive intensity and effort, what you were just talking about, C, and effort on the glass, when they don't turn the ball over, because they're so good offensively that if they don't give away possessions, they usually score. And then when they move the ball and play unselfishly and the way they've done all three of those things, the first two games has been incredible. And I just have to say this. I see, you know, I saw Charles Barkley, who I, I love dearly, crying about the super team thing. But please understand this. What the Nets just did those first two games against Milwaukee, that wasn't the super team. They did no. that without James Harden, who they traded their two top non-star players for in Karis LeVert and Jared Allen, right? Those guys are gone. Like, this team is built around being top-heavy. It's built around Harden, Durant, Irving. The fact that they were able to dismantle Milwaukee without Harden is incredible, and it's a testament to what Sean Marks and the organization has done finding other pieces that anybody in the world could have had and developing them. You know, am I supposed to think this team is unfairly stacked because of Joe Harris, who was a second-round pick who got cut because of Bruce Brown, who you basically got for nothing, who was who was given up on, essentially, by the Pistons because of Tyler Johnson, who was cut, you know, because of Landry Shamit, who's been traded twice already in three years. Mike, Mike James. Yeah, Mike James, who, who signed for peanuts out of Russia. You know, I mean, like anybody could have, even Blake Griffin, you know, Blake Griffin. <laughs> Who well, who's Blake been Griffin, fantastic? He, he put the sham on motherfuckers. Though, yeah, yeah, he like, kind of <laughs> wanted out, I guess. But you know what I'm saying. You, you know what I'm saying, though. Like it's it's not like 
And, and, and I want to say one other thing about that, see? Like, people talk about, like, oh, you know, the way teams are built or whatever. Please understand, this Nets team was not just as simple as, oh, you know, we buy all our players. Like, the Nets went to no, hell to get back in this position. And, and, I, and, I'm not, I, and I, I had to, I, you know, I fucking hate turning on ESPN, but I turned it on and the other day when I was packing to come, come down here. Yeah. And it was uh, Max. What's that show? Max and... Uh, First Take? Yes, that show I love was that on. you forgot the name of it. Yeah, yes. I did. I actually forgot the name of it. So I first take makes was my on. soul happy. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Max and Molly, were, or, or Stephen A and Molly were talking about how the Nets bought that team. And I'm like, do you guys watch basketball? Do you guys not know how they built up the culture and 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 got, you know, uh, Karis LeVert and, you know, Joe Harris and, you know, traded for D'Angelo Russell and he had the great season and they didn't give him the max. They, they kept building their culture and making sure they're doing the right things and made it attractive for Katie and Kyrie to come there. Like, they, they made it seem like that. Like Katie and Kyrie just closed their eyes and just fucking picked Brooklyn. No, they picked Brooklyn because they, it was a great culture. The coach was good, and they were excited about coming here to play. So, yeah, I mean, you got to give the Nets credit for what they were able to build. Yes, they are a super team now, but they built that culture up to become what they are. I don't give a fuck what nobody say, period. I watched that shit from the ground up, and I know you have too. And you would say three years from now, just wait till we get our picks. And you know, yeah. two years like it was it was coming, it was coming. And now that it's here, you know, people just love to hate, but it's it, you know, it, they they literally built that culture from the ground up. And me and you've watched them do it. Make sure you cut that for me. I need to post it to all the <laughs> Nets haters. Hey. I you nailed that, see. You could not have said it better. You know what's crazy, too? is Did I send you this, that, that Katie interview at the end of the game the other night? At the end of game two? I don't know who was doing the interview, but somebody asked them, like, it's been 18 months since you tore your... Jared Greenberg, like, yeah. Blah, 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 blah. Did you ever think that you'd get back to this level? What the fuck are you talking about? This is Kevin fucking Durant. When he's on the basketball court, healthy, he's the best player in the NBA, period. Period. Stop pretending like this guy's some fucking, like he's having a great season or he's on a great run. When he's fucking healthy, he's the best. Stop acting fucking surprised. Stop it, please. The guy, you're you're on the roll. Bro, I was so fucking, I was so pissed, cuz. I'm like, <laughs> who the fuck do you think you're talking to? This is fucking Kevin Durant, cuz. Yes, was, he thought he was going to be that fucking good. Yes, he knew he was going to get back to that level. He, it ended up a funny, like, end to the interview there because Jared Whoa. poked fun at himself. He's like, I'll ask you a better question next <laughs> Please time. Please ask a better question <laughs> Which I that. thought was great that he showed that. What you are know, you talking about, guys? We're talking about yeah. Katie. Yes. Well, dude, you're so on. The guy is averaging 32 on 55, 55, and 90 in the playoffs. Bro, he's, it's ridiculous. He's the, he's the best player in the league, guys. This he, is the he, argument. This is what I was telling you at the beginning of the year when he was coming yeah. back and he had to play. And everybody yeah. was talking about Giannis in the East and Embiid. When KD is healthy, KD is the best basketball player on the planet, period. I don't. There's, there's nobody that can fuck with KD. I, I love what Joe Harris said when he was on R2C2. They don't let you make players like him in 2K anymore. Like, <laughs> that's, how, that, yes. that's how unique he is. I, it's true. You know, and see, I, I love what you, the way you broke down how the team was built because here's the thing. What is... What's what is something that fans should be more upset with? What the Nets did, where they were literally bereft of assets. Let's not forget when Sean Marks takes over this team in 2016, halfway through the season, the Nets have nothing. They have no first round picks coming, and they don't have any players who are going to be part of the future of the roster. He has to sign a guy like Sean Kilpatrick out of the G League, help developing. Give, give Kenny Atkinson credit for all of this as well. Yes, Kenny, Kenny deserves a lot of uh, credit. A lot of credit. You know, they, they go and they get Joe Harris, and it's Kenny Atkinson and Sean Marks who tell Joe Harris, hey, we think you could be exactly like Kyle Korver. No one else in the NBA is saying that and developing Joe Harris to be not just like Kyle Korver, but better than Kyle Korver. Yeah, now Spence, he's a J.J. Reddick. Right. <laughs> you know Spencer, what I'm saying? Like, exactly, yeah. Spencer Dinwiddie, same thing. Cast off. You know, Karis LeVert, the Nets turned Lopez and Bogdanovich into picks, first-round picks that turned into Jared Allen and Karis LeVert. You know, the Nets did this without assets while still trying to compete. 
And what yeah. did they do? They they all, they looked at a guy like D'Angelo Russell, who they saw as an undervalued asset, who they could get more out of. They turn him into the best player on a playoff team, which makes the franchise attractive enough for players like Kyrie and KD. Now also, they've collected more assets so that they have things to trade for a guy like James Harden when he's available. They did all this in the hardest way you could possibly do it in basketball. So no, this isn't some overnight we pressed a button and had a super team. This is a ridiculously intricate and should be ultimately held on a pedestal for one of the most remarkable jobs you could do to assemble the talent the Nets have. And let me ask you this. Would you rather that? Or would you rather it be a team like Philly, who intentionally lost every game they could to get the stars they have on their team now? But but, but, but that Brooklyn team was built, was born out of a Brooklyn team that tried to be turned into a super team. That fucked everything up. They they tried the super team shit. So... Like, to, for, it, for you to call this, I mean, it is a super team because it's the way it's simple now because of the players are so great. But for you to call this a super team and, like, just to shit on whatever, everything that they built the last six years is an insult. Like, that's fucked up. It, it's, it's kind of bullshit because they tried to go the cheap way the first time when they, when yeah. they first moved to Brooklyn. And, you know, everybody was in for it. And it, we, I understood what they were trying to do right away in, in changing the culture and trading for Paul and all those different guys at that time. You know, you you wanted a winner, especially in Brooklyn. But to to do it from the ground up now and to have all these stars, man, it it, is, it, it hurt. It pisses me off to hear people hate on it. Me, me too, man. And I think the best way to um, respond to that hate is to be holding up a ring at the end of the year. To go out and win. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Just go out and win. And then no matter what, there's always that response of, okay, I've listened to what you have to say, but here's the thing. We're the champs. You know, and that is the best response. It's ultimately what LeBron had to do in Miami, right? Everybody, you know, complaining about the roster construction, whatever. And he was eventually able to say, okay, but guess what? You see these two titles that I got here in Miami? You can't take them away from me. Period. So I, but see, I'm glad we're on the same page with this because it's been, it's been bothering me because it's, it's just like, is totally ignorant of the history the Nets went through to get here. Yeah, you know what? That that don't bother me to, to be honest. Um, like when I I just hear, I just feel like people that that say that are uneducated about the Nets, which is yeah. fine. But you shouldn't be on TV talking about basketball if, yeah. if you're making those type of remarks. You know what I'm saying? Like it's fine to be uneducated about a franchise or a team, but you shouldn't be on ESPN talking about that shit because that's not the way it went down. Amen. Amen. And by the way, um, these first two games they haven't had. The super team, you know, they've had they've had two Hall of Famers, of course, but they're built on three, and one Bro, of them hasn't been there. Katie taking Giannis at the oh. end of the third quarter oh. was insane, cuz it was like, ridiculous, he's unguardable, cuz like he's unguardable, ridiculous. he's unguardable, it was ridiculous, man. We can do. It was ridiculous, and that, it, that was great defense, by the way, and it was a foul, fucking foul, yeah. dude. It was incredible, and I agree with you. If you're the Nets, you know, as much as everyone's going to feel like, oh, series is over, they've blown them out, second game, it's not. Milwaukee wins at home tonight. That psyche starts to get repaired. Then all of a sudden, they are playing a Nets team without Harden. Like, it's a different series. So go go play with the same ferocity if you're Brooklyn. Yeah, they have to play hard. Even if they they lose playing hard, then it's it's still mentally hard on the Bucs. If the if the Nets come out and lay an egg and they get and they lose by like ten or fifteen and the, the intensity's not there and the Bucks just you know running up and down the court all night, then that's when they can get back in the series. If the Nets come out and playing hard and they diving all over the place, but they just happen to lose the game, then the Bucks are like, oh shit, like we're in, you know what I'm saying? Like this is still like they still a dog fight. They don't think this shit is over with. They come out and lay an egg today, they, then 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 uh, Milwaukee's got a chance to get back in the series. Looking forward to it tonight. I will have an eye on it as I call Yankees twins. You know, only an eye when I can. Don't worry, I won't be distracted during the broadcast. But, you know, baseball, <laughs> baseball has some downtime. So we, we Dude, Baseball's got out. a lot of downtime, bro. <laughs> a lot of downtime. Uh, well, see, you enjoy uh, Lil C's tournament in Florida. Yeah. And um, tell MJ to come on the pod. You know, we'd love to have him. Uh, w- w- you want to get MJ on the pod? I do. All right, I'll ask yeah. you. Tell, tell, tell MJ, say, you know, 
We got this podcast. It's called I've never, even, I've, I've never even asked him to do anything for me. So, I, I mean, I, you know, I wonder. I, yeah, I'll ask him. But I feel like if we're going to do MJ, we should do it in person. Yeah. Oh, no. We would have to go to the, yeah. to the, to the courts. Yeah, yes. we have to go. He can and have his tequila. Way, he could do whatever he wants. That's the only way wants. we would catch him is if we yeah. did it at the Grove. Like, if, if we did it there, like, that's the only way we would catch him. We it. could sit on the green of the 18th hole. We'll go <laughs> wherever. We, you know what? We could do it. We might have to play with him. You know what I'm saying? Hey. That's you know fine. what's crazy is that, like, because it's his course, he has no, like, threesomes or foursomes or whatever. It's just like, come play. Like, whoever wants to come play, it's no fucking governor on the what cart. You, so you just really? drive fast. You want to drive. <laughs> yeah, like, there's no. So, like, the whole group chat, we could all go and play. And it could be, or we could bring it could fucking, be five. It wouldn't matter. It could be fucking 18. Oh it could be God. as many as you want, guys. It's his <laughs> golf course, guys. That's amazing. Ugh. That is amazing. Come play with a 15-some. Come play with a 15-some. <laughs> you know, no governor on the golf cart. That would have been dangerous Yo, for me when almost, I was like 16. Almost killed myself in the trap on 18, guys. Seriously, I had to fucking, I was like, let me chill out. That's great. For those who, who I'm sure most of our audience does know, um, if you've made it this far in the pod, you probably yeah. know what we're talking about. But the governor is the thing that automatically slows down the golf cart so people don't crash them. So uh, the fact that there isn't one means um, the stakes go up, but so does the speed. So that's fun. See, good stuff, man. Fun to dive into everything. Uh, let's see what the Nets do. And, and guess what? Tomorrow night, you'll get to watch me Friday night. Denver, uh, Phoenix. I have game three in Denver. How about this? We're actually going to be able to sit courtside. We are the first Ooh. crew NBA playoffs that'll get to sit courtside. I can't wait, man. It's the, you got Denver? Yeah. Oh, that's so see good. if they bounce back, man. But yeah, Denver yeah, should I, be the crowd should be great. I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, they do. Phoenix and I think good. The, Utah looks really good too. I know. I know. <laughs> it, it's I, it's kind of fun having new teams at, at this oh, no, point. Yeah, you know? this is completely fun because next year is going back to the old shit. LeBron's gonna be there. Steph's gonna be there at the end. Gonna be KD <laughs> in, in the East. Yeah. Like next year is going back to the old shit. So enjoy this this year. <laughs> <laughs> you guys enjoy this. We will as well. We'll see you next week. You know, new episodes every Thursday, even if it comes out in the afternoon like today, and bonus episodes as well. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram. R2C2. We have a Facebook fan page now as well. And uh, and make sure you're following us on Spotify and tell everybody you know. And special thanks to our outstanding producers, Sadie Zillow and Bobby Wagner, who we love dearly and could not survive without. Peace. <laughs>